All right. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Get Inspired and Innovate. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about graphics with Google. Uh, I've worked with Photoshop and some things like that in the past. Um, You know, Photoshop is great for stuff that I'm really wanting to, like, print and do high-quality graphics with. But a lot of times, I just need my students to be able to get their ideas, you know, on a canvas uh, and, you know, free also is also great. So, Stephanie, how are you seeing uh, graphics and graphic design being done with Google? Um, so, in our school district, we use Google, you know, drawings and slides. I prefer Google Slides. It's just my favorite, and I think it's easier to use than drawings, even though it's pretty much the same um, with a little bit of difference. But I just like Google Slides because you can do so much with it. One of my favorite things that students can do, can do is – they can change the layout of it. So instead of keeping it, um, you know, laid out the way it is, they can actually make it an eight by 11 or whatever size they need to make it. And so that's kind of one way that we kind of start is just changing that layout size to what the students really need. And then last year, a lot of the kids at one of my buildings loved infographics. Um, it was kind of odd because I was like, oh, they're gonna like, like they're gonna like it, but I think it's gonna be like a one and done deal. These kids wanted to make infographics for every single concept because they were just so hooked by the graphic design and how easy it was to relay information to others in their classroom and how it made that connection. So they were able to say, here's a really difficult concept, but now I'm going to shorten it. So it's a lot easier for others to understand. And they were making infographics for like everything. It was ridiculous, Um, but they just, they really found a hack for that. So we went with it. And their infographics were pretty bad to start with. Um, But towards the end, we talked, you know, about like colors and images and how they should shape and using like the crop tool to shape things like an oval rather than a square and using all those different tools that are in Google Slides to help them better make infographics rather than these ugly looking things that we had at the beginning. So Lance, what have you seen? Well, you know, and I, I think you, you said a couple of things that a lot of people don't realize. The, the crop tool, you can actually use that for your framing. I use it all the time to, to crop into the circles or rectangles. And then I use the, uh, the thickness of the line to make a frame around, around an image. And, you know, it really does a great job of, of you know, pointing out what you want to do. And, and also uh, working with students at first, too, we went into infographs. And they do. I don't, I'm not for sure. Uh, why they really bought into infographs so much, but I think it's great because they have to know the information to be able to make the infograph. So but the students were really engaged into the learning when they were doing that. Uh, and like you said, when we first started, there were some pretty crappy ones that came out. So, so you had to start talking to them about, well, you know, lime green and yellow. Don't all, I don't know that they go good together, but that's not always what you want to use for everything. And then there was that little Facebook, or not Facebook, that little meme guy. Uh, he's a little white ghosty looking guy that, that they all wanted to use on everything. So, uh, you know, we had, we had to talk about, all right, what, what are we making this for? And, you know, what kind of images should you be pulling in? But it also took us to um, citing where we grabbed images from and, and which images were okay to use and which images were not okay to use. So I, I felt like that that was really helpful for them. Something else you hit on that I don't feel like most people realize either is with your Google Slides and your Google Drawings, you can actually change the the size of your canvas. Um, I generally use uh, Google Drawings more than I do slides because I like the little feature in the bottom of when I run out of space, 
I can just grab the bottom corner and I can drag it and I can make it a little bigger and then I can add more stuff in. Now it gets me in trouble every now and then when I go to printing or something like that because it's now not the right size. But uh, Google Draw, uh, Google and Google um, uh, Slides, uh, it has really engaged our students into the graphic design world, but also information. Um, one other thing that we've started looking into is uh, draw.io. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but mm -hmm. we started using that to uh, have our students start to make flow charts um, so that they can understand the processes of working through problems. So, of course, me being a math teacher, you know, there's always the please excuse my dumb algebra students. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean uh, dumb, uh, dear Aunt Sally. Yes. Uh, so, as we go through that, they like to be able to build their flow charts. And I actually have them build like flow charts for certain problems. All right, what do you do first on this problem? And that will walk you through that flow chart. And, and I feel like that gives them a better grasp upon that. Yeah, and I think another tool that's in slides that some people don't know or don't use, and in drawings, is that transparency. Making that color, you know, kind of transparent and then adding layers and moving things around on that canvas um, can really help your design. And students, once you teach them that skill, they kind of go crazy with it at first. And they're like, you can make it invisible, you know. Um, so they have a lot of fun with that tool. Yeah, also gradients too. So using gradients, I know when, when we're making Venn diagrams and things like that, I, I show the students how, how to use the transparency tools and the gradients mm -hmm. so they can make their Venn diagrams. And, you know, it just it enhances the, the quality of the picture. All right, so that brings us to our guest today. We have an expert in the field. We have Mr. Tony Vincent with us. He is a 20, he taught for 20 years. Uh, he started out in fifth grade, and then after that, he was a tech coach. He now is self, a self-employed uh, consultant, and his mission is to empower teachers and students with awesomeness. I love that. I love that. So, Antonio is also a father of first grade twins. So, Tony, thank you for taking time out of uh, spending time with your family and your twins today to join us on the show. My pleasure. So, so Tony, so... Uh, gone through your website. I've looked at you know your graphic designs, your graphics, and your things that you're doing. Uh, what what gets you started down this road? I uh, well, I think I, when I was a kid, even uh, before computers even had like shapes that you could draw, you could just like type with keyboard characters. Um, they call it ASCII art. <laughs> I would try to make pictures on my Apple IIe with just what I could do on my keyboard and spacing and things. Um, and then I just, I've always been fascinated with like digital artwork and digital design, um, mostly because I get frustrated when I try to draw on paper and it doesn't turn out right. And it's, then you have to go start over, erase that on a computer, you can, you know, you, back in ASCII art, if I needed to move something over one space, I just insert a space, you know? Um, and nowadays with digital drawing tools, I can have several iterations and pick from the best ones. I make a big mistake, I just go back into version history and, and pull out the, the version that I like best or that I wanna go back to. Yeah, I think the undo tool I use quite often <laughs> in the redo. <laughs> Paper, pencil, paint, <laughs> they don't have an undo tool. <laughs> I wish they did. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Tony, as, as you're spreading your awesomeness around to, to students and teachers, uh, how do you see uh, this digital arts, this uh, 
um, you know, design, how do you see it empowering teachers and engaging students in the classroom? Yeah, well, I mean, every day teachers are designing something. Uh, we, you know, whether it's a note home, their class website, a slide, teachers are designers, whether they like it or not. And some really like it, like me and others uh, avoid it a little bit. There are templates and, and things that people can use, but uh, for me, I get a lot of joy when I can create something um, that I know is made myself and that I also know communicates my message in a clear way in my own style and then in the classroom, a way to reach my students or online, a way to reach teachers. So I try to keep things colorful and happy and simple and light so that busy teachers could look at a, a graphic, a design, a document and immediately get a sense of what it's about and understand its flow. And um, I often think of design kind of like grammar, graphic design and grammar, because with grammar, you communicate your message. If you have poor grammar, yeah, people can still understand you, but your message isn't as clear. And some people might judge you a little bit on <laughs> poor grammar. And I think it's, it's that way also for graphic design. You know, you could you know, use a font that doesn't look great there. The spacing or alignment could be off. We still get your message, but we're not getting it across as well. And it's not coming across as professional as it could. Yeah, and uh, so, so don't be looking at any of my images, please. I don't, I don't need any more judgment here. Uh, I, I'm the one that's about, uh, you know, having things work. I, I've always said I'm about efficiency and things working, functionality. Uh, I'm not necessarily about pretty. And Stephanie gets on to me sometimes about that. Yeah, I think you need to sign up for one of Tony's classes. <laughs> everything's a balance right because we yeah I, I sometimes I do have the time to take several hours to create one graphic but in reality that's not going to do I, everything can't take that much time so you've got to figure out where you're going to devote your time and and what's worthy of it sometimes a, a quick and dirty graphic that's that's going to get the job done and that's what you have time for and I think too like you said kind of earlier was finding that template like so many people are willing to share their template and then you can just change a couple things on it to make it your own to help those that aren't as graphic talented or <laughs> that struggle with being pretty. <laughs> yeah. Or templates are also like a scaffold for you in that you see what makes a good template. You see the, the font combinations and then you start to pick up on, on what works. And then maybe you do get that, that, that feeling like, okay, I think I, I want to expand and I, this template doesn't do exactly what I want. So I'm going to make the changes. <laughs> so I think too, like I went to one of your sessions at ISTE. It was in like, I forget a couple years ago. And you talked about emojis. Uh, and I love I was, emojis. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not really like, I like emojis, but I'm not super into them. Like I still use the keyboard smiley face. So like the two dots and the sideways smiley face. I don't really use the emoji for it because it's just easier. And I went to your session and I was like, I don't even know how I can use emojis in the classroom, but your mind is able to like connect it and with the curriculum. And I was just like, oh, I left that session with like 20 different ideas of how to use emojis with the curriculum in a powerful way rather than just using them randomly. And so your mind is really good about just like thinking about all of that where my mind is like, 
I have no idea how to make the connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my teacher brain loves loves to 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 make any kind of connection. Sometimes I can't turn it off. I'm like, oh wait, we could use that for this, this, that. Yeah. <laughs> or I could just enjoy emojis maybe once in a while. <laughs> yeah, but kids love emojis. So after going to that session, I was really like oh, that makes sense that I should do my to-do list with emojis or using that one game um, with the different emojis and they're creating a story and then the next person goes and that kind of stuff and using it with the curriculum and empowering students that way because who doesn't love emojis in this generation yeah. that we're and, and We're <laughs> wired to think in pictures and to, to think visually. So whether it's emojis or graphic design, having that dual coding of having text and an image or having text lined up in a certain way can uh, really be an efficient way to get across information. So, so one thing I will say, looking at, uh, looking at your websites here, Tony, your, your graphics, especially for your, your shape grams, that really grabs my attention uh, what what is the what's the message that that you're pushing out or the support you're trying to provide for teachers uh, with your classy graphics and your shape grams yeah well what I found is you know I, I do a lot of in-person workshops but it's really hard to teach a lot of graphics in that time because it's something that you know I want to give feedback to everybody and some people take longer than others so it turned out to be a really good topic for an online workshop so uh, the workshop takes place in Google Classroom and people end up sharing whatever they design. All the, all the uh, assignments are optional, but then they share it so that anybody can comment. So we can leave comments about things we like, you know, things, suggestions we might have. Um, and what happens there is I, I have a video that, I, uh, th that they watch one week, that participants watch, and then they get to put into practice if they choose to uh, elements from that video. So the first week sounds so boring for this classy graphics workshop, but some people say just going through week one makes a world of difference. And that's just alignment and arrangement and thinking that your document has an invisible grid and how do things line up to that. That, that one tweak of uh, looking at alignment and arrangement and spacing can really change the look of your documents to they look more professional. So then people turn these in, I give, I give tips. Oftentimes I duplicate their document and then I make some changes and then show them what I did so they can compare what, what I'm thinking and then what they've done. And it's really neat to see the growth of people over this six week workshop because just um, piece by piece, they're, they're putting it together, they're getting ideas and they're looking at each other's designs and seeing each other's growth that, uh, I, I just, it might be maybe the most impactful thing that I've done in my career because there are teachers that say, Tony, I use something from classy graphics every day that I teach. Um, and even when they're not teaching, when they're planning, there's just because teachers are graphic designers, like I said, whether they like it or not. So they might as well learn how to do it well. And I feel like there's a ton of research with graphics especially like in the business world that we don't necessarily teach educators, but like, you know, like the color red. So a lot of fast food restaurants use it because it's going to make you go there because of the color. And so I think we need to start looking more into that research about it. Cause I know like what's been really popular is flexible seating and all that research coming out about it. Well, if we start pushing out that research about the graphics, I think teachers are more 
interested into using it more in their classroom and thinking about, okay, if I space it this way, how is that going to help a student that might be on an IEP or that's EL rather than kind of chunking it all together? Because really some students struggle with it, but if you just space it out to where it's easy to read, they might excel. Yeah, the, even just the space <laughs> in the font can be a big deal. Like uh, Google just added, I'm looking at the name, I think it's called Lexend font, mm -hmm. uh, which you can add to uh, Google Docs, Google Slides, et cetera. And it's designed to, for readability, to read faster. And if you look at it, I mean, it looks like a pretty normal font. It's nothing too crazy, but the spacing is what they've changed for ease of reading. So, so I worked with teachers a lot, but then, um, so I went back into the classroom this last year and taught fifth grade. And one of the major highlights was that I was on a mission to turn my little fifth graders into graphic designers as well. And things like you said at the start of this podcast of, of slide design um, and how to communicate information visually were super popular with my students, right? Like if we, we had a lot of rain in Iowa last year and so a lot of indoor recesses. They would, they, they would choose to just play around in Google Slides during their indoor recess because they love this stuff. So something I had started in my graphics class for teachers, but then it's way better for kids is what I call shape grams. Shape because what we draw is made out of shapes and grams because it's, uh, you know, I, the, the Greek root for drawing. So, so these shape grams I had every week for my students and we started out super simple. So we had this house that was just made of like a triangle and a few rectangles and a circle for the doorknob. And my students learned a lot just replicating this house. So I had on the canvas, the house on one side and then a blank spot for them to duplicate it on the other. And then we get a little bit harder and harder and harder. And by the end of the school year, my students could pretty much use shapes, use the drawing tools inside of Google Slides or Google Drawings to make anything. They learned how to trace pictures, uh, get custom colors, you know, do things like with gradients, make it glow. Uh, and they just learned this bit by bit because every week I'd made the picture that they would use for their own shapegram just a little more complicated. And it just such amazing things by the end of the school year. Like uh, my students could take whatever they've drawn and make animated GIFs. So they do it slide by slide. If, they, if their artwork is something they've made, then they can, for instance, draw a person that has arms that are articulated, like they can move. So then they can move it frame by frame on a Google slide and then turn that into an animated GIF. Or I just remember this, this lesson, we were looking at the rock cycle and I, kept the directions pretty simple. Um, guys, make the rock cycle in Google Slides. Boom, they all started, they started from scratch and they knew exactly how to draw arrows, the colors and things and what they, what they made were super awesome. Um, and that's thanks in big part to the shapegram skills that they learned um, week by week. So um, have you ever heard of a website called Fiverr? Yes. Okay, uh, a friend of mine uh, out in California, uh, his students actually use Google Draw, uses Google Drawings to draw people. So people send in, you know, that they want their stuff cartoonized or whatever. Yeah. They take it in and uh, through Fiverr, the, the students are making money doing that. So. <laughs> yeah, I've used, I've never thought of it as being like a 
a young student on the other end, but yeah, well, that's, we, we, we could have started a business in my fifth grade last year because they were really good at, at tracing and, and, and making their own clip art like that. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. I'm like, I could see teachers wanting to buy it and putting it up in their classroom as like a poster, <laughs> all of your yeah. students' artwork, because it is something that teachers look for, you know? When we yeah. can do it in our own classroom, if we give kids the time and the ability for them to learn these skills. Yeah, and, and so I know, know a lot of teachers aren't comfortable teaching these skills. So what I've just uh, launched in the last couple of weeks is shapegrams.com, where I've taken what I did this last school year in the classroom and kind of expanded on it in that um, it's a Google Drawings document, but it has a video that's usually just a few minutes long where I just show a few of the skills. So a teacher doesn't have to know really much of anything other than getting the Google Drawings document to their students. Then I show through the video how to do a few things. And just like I did with my fifth graders, um, the, the shapegrams at shapegrams.com will get a little bit more complicated every week. I'll introduce more skills. And I, I'm just so excited to take it to a larger audience because of what I saw it do for my students last year. Plus, I love this stuff. It is so fun to, <laughs> to draw. I spent uh, today drawing an ice cream cone and then uh, making a video about how to draw it. And it was, for me, that's a blast. I, I can feel the passion coming through the audio here. <laughs> so your twins, are they pretty um, graphic designers yet? Or what are they into? You know, they, they are drawers, so they, okay. they draw a ton of things on paper. Um, <laughs> they, 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 they'll do a little bit of drawing. They have, they have their own iPads, but um, you know, Shapegrams are, are kind of designed, I was thinking for third grade and up, but I know there are some second grade classrooms that, that have done it successfully in the last week. So my son is really bugging me. He sees me working on them. He's like, I want to do that. I want to do that. He said, okay, well, you can't do it on your iPad because Google Drawings doesn't play well with iPads. So uh, you'll need to sit down at my computer sometime and do it. So uh, he bugged me one more time, then, then, then I'll start showing him how to do it. <laughs> First grade, I think, is a little stretch for some of this because he, he can, but I know he, he'll, he'll try hard and he'll, he'll develop those mouse skills. And then when my daughter sees that, that my son has done it, then she'll be all in too. <laughs> all right, so now we're gonna go into our meme and quote section. So Tony, what quote or meme did you bring this week? Well, I found a meme that has a kid president in the background and it says, shout out to old people for graduating high school without Google. Yeah, I don't know how I graduated high school without Google. Like, I look at these kids, and when they're sometimes still struggling, I'm like, you're not using the tools to help you. Yeah, <laughs> I, all the time, going to the library and looking in books just to find one piece of information that, you know, I can, I can just ask my phone this question and get it right away. So, you know, we, we had it hard uh, going through... <laughs> high school without Google. I think it gives, I think it gives people who did that a really good perspective, maybe something that younger people might take for granted even. Mm -hmm. I, I always wonder how much more could we have done if we would have had Google back then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, <laughs> and, and, then Google, and then YouTube, because I feel like I have superpowers, whatever I need to be able to do, 
I'll, I just use YouTube. Setting up this new Shapegrams website is on WordPress and I had to do things I've never done before on a website. And uh, luckily there was YouTube and there's videos of pretty much anything I needed to do. Someone is demonstrating how to do it. Yeah. Um, so mine is before you ask me that question, you need to ask yourself if Google can answer it first. I feel a lot of time as a coach, um, you get asked kind of silly questions and you're like, you could have Googled that really quickly and got a faster answer than waiting for me to respond. And the same thing in our classroom, like kids will go up to the teacher, how do you spell this word? How do you do that? And I try to tell my teachers, make them Google it. Because if it's something that can be Googled, they need to be able to do that. It reminds me of when I was in my interview uh, to teach fifth grade this last year. One of the interview questions was uh, something like, uh, when, when I need help, I, and it was like a lightning round, so I had to finish it. And I just said, Google it. <laughs> and <laughs> the principal laughed and she said, wow, that's the first time I've heard that. And I said, hey, like, that's just the first thing I think of. Yeah, I'll ask the person across the hallway, but not until I've tried it myself and Googled yeah. it first before yeah. I bother else with my question. <laughs> well, so mine awesome. for this week uh, has to do with web browsers, and this is kind of a personal one to me right now. Um, and it's got all the different web browsers on here, Firefox, Internet Explorer, Safari, Opera, and Chrome. Um, and, and to me, Firefox is kind of the brute force way. It'll get the job done, but it's not always the most fastest or elegant. Internet Explorer, and you see here in the image you've looked with show notes, is a dead horse. If you're still using Internet Explorer, please stop. Find something else. <laughs> Edge is out there, uh, but it's, it's struggling too. Uh, and then Safari. I, I, I fight this battle daily. We, we have, uh, have some Macs in our district, and people are trying to use all these Google tools with Safari. They're like running into all these problems. I'm like, guys, what, what do you think, you know, who do you think made these Google tools? What's their browser? Chrome. Just use Chrome. It's more efficient. It'll work better. And, and then Opera. I every now and then run into somebody that just thinks Opera's cute. So in the in the, the little infographic here, it's got a little cute car here. You know, of course you might eventually get there, but you're gonna be really slow. And then you got Chrome here that's got the rocket on there. It's really fast. It's gonna get the job done. So for for the people listening out there, if you're using Google tools, use Chrome. It was made by Google. It'll work better. Yeah, I have a coworker that uses Safari, and I was like, I, I can't help you. If you're not in Chrome anymore, I'm not helping you. <laughs> and so he's slowly moving to Chrome. <laughs> the, the one thing about Safari that, that really drives me nuts when it comes to like um, graphic design is it the font size is different. So sometimes the text will go outside of the text box. I open side by side in Chrome. Chrome looks how I originally wanted it. But if the text box is just a little too narrow, and for some reason that font's a little larger in Safari, it really messes up that text formatting. So Tony, what's something that you learned this week that can be innovative for tomorrow? Uh, well, as you can imagine, when I'm in Google Slides and Google Drawings, I have a lot of objects on the canvas, and sometimes selecting something is a big pain, like to get to the like something in the back. I just learned this this week is that you just hit tab on your keyboard and it will then go through all of the objects. So just keep hitting tab until the object that you want is selected, even if it's in the back. I needed to know that because it is difficult. Like usually you have to move the image in front, get the image in the back to change and then move it back. And then it's yeah, not perfect. 
cut it yeah. and then move it, paste yep. it back in. Yeah. So I so needed to know that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so my idea for the week that I kind of learned is Google Contacts. Um, a lot of my teachers, and Lance is laughing because I called him and he didn't know the answer. And um, a lot of my teachers are creating Google Contacts under one user. And we were having all these issues because in Google Contacts, when you go and create a label, you move that contact, but it was only sending to that first email. And so I called Lance, well, actually I called Kyle first. Lance got upset, I called Kyle first. Kyle said Lance was gonna make me a video. Lance made me a video and it did not answer my question. He made me feel like I was stupid because he was like, you should know how to do this. Well, I was doing what he was saying to do. But if you hit the two button in your email, it will add that contact group and you just select all and it will get all of those emails for that contact rather than that just first email that's kind of the default email. So now the mom, the step parents, the dad can all get that email rather than the first person that's on that email list. Um, so I thought that was really cool if you just hit the two or the blind copy copy button and you can just select all and it will get all of those information um, for you. So I've been using that trick. So, sounds like that maybe the uh, the teachers before they did all that hard work should have been uh, trained up better by, by uh, maybe somebody that, that knows how to to actually make those contact groups first. That, well, they all did it on their own because uh, yeah, so they, they, all, they didn't feel comfortable asking you for <laughs> yeah to come to me first. They just did it on their own, and then I was like. Oh, I don't, I don't know why you did it that way, but I think in the old way you could do contacts, it did work. Okay. But now that they've switched it over, it doesn't work. But the old way, when it wasn't like Gmail, that contacts, yeah. it did work. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, so, so my innovative thought for this week is uh, I've been working in our school district, uh, trying to find a purpose for a lot of old devices. So we have a lot of iMacs that are from, 2009 that no longer update and it wasn't a huge problem until Chrome quit updating uh, and now websites are not working and programs are not working so uh, we found a, a software it's Linux based software called Neverware and Neverware allows you to take any old device whether it's a uh, PC or Mac and you can convert it into a Chrome box or Chromebook uh, and it will you know continue to update so I'm running uh, uh, Chrome OS on 2009 Max, uh, and it's on version 76 right now. And the one thing that, that I do like about it is the, the actual hardware specs on the iMacs are still faster than the Chromebooks today. Uh, one, one thing that I will caution you of is it will seem like at first it's slow because you have to remember that most of our Chromebooks have solid state drives in them. Uh, and most of your iMacs have, have either 5,400 RPM or 7,200 RPM drives. So the startup takes a little longer, but once you get in there, I mean, you've got, you know, 8 gig to 16 gigs of RAM with, you know, Core 2 Duos or um, i3 processors that are running. So it's faster once it starts going. So that might help you to uh, revive some of your devices. And you can also buy the management software that goes along with that. So if you're needing to manage those just like their Chromebook, you can or they have a free software that you can just put on there if you don't want to manage them. All right, thank you so much for listening to Get Inspired and Innovate. Tony, how can people connect with you? 
Uh, my home base on the web is learninginhand.com. Across the top are my social media links. Um, I especially like my Instagram because that's where my tech tip uh, graphics go. And then I really think people should check out uh, shapegrams.com if you're interested in having your students learn some digital drawing skills uh, from me. All right, thank you so much for being on the show. If Again, if you need any of the resources, check out the show notes on our website. And if you wanted to see Lance's graphic, make sure you do check them out because it is pretty funny with all of his different, um, what are those called, internet? Browsers. Browsers. <laughs> um, so make sure you check those out. Um, thank you so much for listening. Have a good night.